What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the Rockcast brought to you by Onyx Hunt Maps. Jordan here, and we have my buddy and, man, longtime podcast guest, Mike Kern. Yeah. This is like I'm your a, fourth I'm time a, on. I'm a serial podcast guest. A serial podcaster. That's so great. What, what, I guess, what do you, what's going on in your life nowadays? What's, uh, what do you got planned this fall? Um, uh, I don't know. So you and I were talking before we recorded, uh, was supposed to be going to Africa to kill a bunch of stuff, but I don't know if that's happening just because of funding, potential funding issues. And that was supposed to be on the 22nd of July. And I don't think that, uh, I feel like I would have a plane ticket for Africa by now if that was happening. So, um, so hot number one scratch, uh, hot number two is probably going to end up being over the counter elk in September. I put in for a pretty epic unit and I kind of knew I wasn't going to draw it. And I will just tell your entire audience that I am an idiot and just now learned that, uh, you didn't get charged a second point or you didn't get charged a point if your second choice got drawn. So I never put in for a second choice for all this uh, time. I haven't been putting, I haven't been putting in for two choices in Colorado because I thought if I drew any of them in the first draw, they would take all my points. And I really want this one particular elk unit <laughs> that I'm saving up for. And the other unit I'm saving up for is like a four or five point unit. And I was like, well, I'm not going to put that on my second choice. Cause if I get drawn for it, I'm not going to spend, you know, seven points on it. Yeah. Um, but that's not the case. I don't know if you knew that or not, but I did not. Oh, well, there's People, so many details. State per state is so hard to keep straight. There are. So first draw in Colorado, the initial, the initial draw, the only one that they will charge your preference points for is your first choice, your second choice, third choice. And I think they might have a fourth choice um, set anything below the first choice. They will issue that draw tag without charging your points if they don't draw out all of those tags. So, mm. um, so yeah, before the secondary draw kicks off, um or right after the right after the draw right if they didn't if a bunch of people i'm just going to make up a random unit if a bunch of people uh put in didn't draw unit 70 or not a, i guess not a bunch of people didn't put in for it and they didn't all get drawn out on people's first choice they'll start going down everyone's second choices and issuing those tags and then the secondary draw um, when that comes up, which is open right now, uh, you got till July 5th to put in for Colorado secondary draw, secondary draw. The way I understand it is that you don't get charged any points for that. It's completely random. Um, but youth, youth hunters get preference. So if a youth hunter puts in for X puts in, there's three tags left for unit 70 and a youth hunter puts in for it. Um, the youth hunter is 100% going to get that tag as long as. You know, there's only three, if there's three youth hunters that put in for it, all three of those youth hunters can draw those tags. And then um, if there's any tags left over after that, it goes randomly out to the public who put in for the secondary draw. Um, so there's a good bit of information for those of you that don't know, because I felt real stupid when all my buddies <laughs> told me that. Um, I was like, are you kidding me? Um, but good thing is we went and looked at the draw results and, and, pretty much the units that I would have put in as second and third choice. Uh, those all got drawn out. So they must be back in the, we were wondering why they were back in the secondary draw. 
like, man, I can't believe people didn't all put in for this unit. And mm -hmm. we went and looked at the, cause they, they published the initial draw results after they come out on the parks and wildlife page. We went and looked and all of those were drawn out. So it must be either they tried to charge a credit card that, that wasn't like the credit card wasn't updated or people returned it. So, um, or people surrendered it or said they didn't want it once they found yeah. out they drew it. So I wouldn't have gotten um, the tags that I wanted anyways, because all of those units drew completely out. Yeah. And then we're, and then we're either returned or, or people just didn't pay for them. So they got put back in the, back in the rotation. So um, yeah. You just live in the general life. Just live in the general life. That's, that's the story of my life. I'm just a, just a regular dude. <laughs> it's good. It's relatable. Um, yeah. So uh, over-the-counter elk is what's looking like it's going to happen. Uh, the free-range American crew is going to come out. I helped my editor last year kill his first elk, which was a cow. Um, so he's going to come out, and we're going to go bull or bust. He's like, they're literally going to live at my house. He's bringing all his work stuff. He's bringing his social the social media manager and, and content creator slash videographer for free age american they're basically going to come and live out of my house so we'll do like they're going to do four days in the field and they're going to come back to my place and do office work and then as soon as they're caught up on office work and into day-to-day -day stuff they're bombing back out to the field so it should be it should be a pretty fun should be a pretty fun season i got i got some high hopes and then uh, Hell yeah. the only, only other tag that I may or may not get is a rifle mule deer tag that I have not drawn. This is the second year in a row that I didn't draw it. I was one of two people with five points that didn't draw this tag. Oh, man. <laughs> so then last year, last year, I didn't draw the tag. And then I found a, a private land whitetail opportunity. I paid a, a landowner. A landowner, he only charged me 200 bucks to uh, $200 trespass fee for five miles of river bottom uh, out east and completely beautiful, beautiful property out there. And so I paid him the 200 bucks and I bought the tag. Um, I bought the tag on a Monday and I remember this very vividly. I bought the tag on a Monday because it was Colorado's Plains Archery tag. So that's a split season. It opens like for the month of October, then it closes because there's a muzzle loader and rifle season out there. Mm -hmm. And then it opens back up. Well, I might be getting the dates wrong, but it's open for like a month, then it closes, then it opens for another month. Um, I bought it while the season was closed on a Monday. Colorado Parks and Wildlife called me on a Tuesday and said, hey, someone turned in this tag. You're the next in line. Do you want it? Oh, and I that's said, handy. well, I sure... I sure do want it. I was like, but I literally just bought a tag yesterday and technically the season's closed. So can I surrender this tag? And he's like, well, since the season has already technically been open, you can't surrender the tag. Oh, so I couldn't surrender the tag to get that rifle deer tag. Um, so there, there's another tidbit for the, the Colorado game for those of you that are playing it. Um, if Son you buy a tag, well, if you buy a tag and the season hasn't opened, right? Uh, let's say, so I put in for the draw. I'm sure I won't be next in line for that unit. I put in for archery elk, but um, when over-the-counter tags go on sale, I think they're probably going to be early August. When those over-the-counter tags go on sale, I can go buy an over-the-counter tag. 
as long as they call me before September 2nd, right? If they call me on August 15th and tell me that my I'm the next in line for a tag, um, as long as that season hasn't opened, you can surrender the tag that you just purchased and get the draw tag that you wanted. Gotcha. I know some of like hard hitting mule deer guys, if they draw a tag and it doesn't like it's gonna it doesn't look like it's gonna be a good year for whatever reason, they'll just turn it back and say, like, not gonna commit to it until until it's like a, they think it's a good year. Yeah, yep. They'll turn it back in and pay the you can pay I think I've never turned a tag back in, but I think you turn it you can turn it in if the season hasn't opened, you can turn it in. And you pay a small fee and they re they restore your preference points. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Pretty cool. I would yeah. like to do high country mule deer, but I'm an elk guy and uh, I love chasing elk, even though it's absolutely miserable on over the counter. And Yeah, I kind of said that this was going to be the year of elk for me and that's really gone to hell since I started scouting. So yeah. it's like if you run into elk during September, then at least with a general tag where we're at, you can do deer and elk. So if I'm hunting deer and find elk, you could do a bit of a a bit of a plan change. Mm-hmm. But yeah. So with we'll general see. deer where you're at, you can do you have a deer and an elk tag? I do, yeah. So, it's only yeah. like certain areas are are general, you know, and some have different like I think some of them are general for elk and they're limited for deer type of a deal. So yeah. you obviously got to be really careful where you're at, but um, there are definitely units that you can do both in. Um, as far as archery goes, there aren't a lot of like yeah. rifle elk units. I don't think that are just open. I think a lot of those are draw, but there's a yeah. lot of, uh, a lot of archery opportunity. That's awesome. Yeah. A little bit. That's a little bit easier to understand and deal with. Yeah, I know though. And it does not matter where you go. Like it is a pain in the ass figuring out the draw systems. Like Wyoming just changed it to where, um, like, you know, when you usually put in for a tag and you don't draw, they give you a point. Well, Wyoming doesn't do that anymore. Like you still have to, even if you put in for a draw and didn't draw, you still have to go buy your point Ah. later on in the summer. And they just like changed that shit and didn't tell anybody. Well, at least super publicly, anyways. So oh, that is good to know. I yeah. think Wyoming's my buddy sent me a um we're getting off track here, way I off know. track, but I think my buddy sent me a thing about Wyoming, uh, a survey to take because I guess they're like really looking at restructuring their, their draw system and, and non-resident, like non-resident specifically, I think. Um, that'll be interesting. I'm, I'm going to send it to you right now. I'm going to find it and I'll text it over to you. Yeah, I'll throw it in the show notes. If it's like a clickable link for everybody. Yeah, it's a clickable link. And then it's a survey that you go in and fill out. And I think it might have some short answer stuff, but. Sweet. Super interesting. That'll help. Wyoming Wildlife Public Task Force. So that's it. So it's uh, public input Wyoming Wildlife Task Force. Submit comments for Wildlife Task Force. Consideration prior to... Never mind. That's just meeting materials. So um, it's got all the information in there that I'm looking at right now. Sweet. 
All right, time for a little break to thank our sponsors. First, we have Onyx Hunt Maps, a great tool to use in the field and at home for mapping out all of your hunts. If you use code ROCKCAST at checkout, you will get 20% off your Onyx membership. Go to onyxmaps.com forward slash hunt. And then on the mountain and here at home, I love coffee. So uh, Black Rifle Coffee has an option for everything. Um, Instant coffee on the mountain. That's a little more darker roast. If you like a little lighter roast, you can use their steeping bags, which are great for backpacking and uh, just backcountry use. If you go to uh, blackriflecoffee.com and use code ROCKSLIDE at checkout, you'll get 20% off your first order. And then activejunkie.com is a great uh, website where you can get cash back on purchases uh, through over 1,500 brands and retailers. So go to activejunkie.com forward slash rockslide, get signed up for a free account, uh, go to the brand or retailer you want to purchase from, click through the Active Junkie website to that and make your purchase like normal. Active Junkie will give you up to 20% cash back via a PayPal uh, deposit or they will send you a check to your mailbox every 90 days so go check them out activejunkie.com forward slash rockslide they've got some of the brands and retailers that we love set up on there and then firstlight.com uh, firstlight clothing love them for hunting um, they have some new waterfowl apparel that's going to be coming out pretty quick and i always like mentioning that firstlight does have some waterproof duffel bags that are fantastic three different sizes um, the two bigger ones have backpack straps, which is nice for carrying through the airport with all your stuff. So if you're interested in any of that, go check out firstlight.com. And with that, we're going to dive back into the episode. Sweet, man. Well, I thought we'd have you on. We want to cover like a couple of specific things, but, um, in general, I thought we'd go through some gear stuff and, uh, you, yeah. guys, you guys have already taken a, it was a fishing trip. I believe with yep. you and Frankie P and Tomas, right? Yep. Me, Frankie and, Tomas. Yep. And so you guys went in and did that. And I noticed that you took a teepee with you and uh, had three of you in it. And I just kind of wanted to get the dynamic of how that worked packing wise and everything with, uh, with three guys. We talk about going yeah, solo yeah, yeah. a lot, but not with, uh, not with more than, you know, two people usually. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I will say I drew the short straw and I carried the, the shelter. Um, so the TP, I mean, really, you can you can really I mean, you could you could have broken it down between three people, but we broke it down between Tomas and I because Frank's bag was full of camera gear. Um, so so I took the shelter. Tomas took the poles, but you could those poles are big enough for that eight man TP that you could absolutely uh, separate those poles between you know, between the, the three of us, but Frank had two cameras and a drone in his pack. So, uh, we, we decided we'd, we'd carry the rest of that weight. Um, but you could definitely separate the poles out between everyone. And then obviously one person stuck with the shelter. When I took the shelter, I was ecstatic to have it. I was excited about it. And then it started raining. And carrying that shelter out <laughs> after, after oh, it had been shit. rained on for 24 hours. I was like, as soon as it started raining, I was like, I screwed up. I should have taken the poles. Those don't get those don't get waterlogged. Yeah. <laughs> but um, 
but yeah, so that's how we kind of separated it out. And then the, the TP itself, it was the eight man TP and it worked out really well for the three of us. We kind of, we went in really heavy because we were kind of, we were, we knew we weren't like, we're not backpack hunting, right? We're, we packed four miles up to some lakes to do some fishing. So we were, we kind of, I was like, well, my pack could be lighter because I'm only taking a day and a half worth of food and we're going to eat trout out of the lake. Uh, but I took some, some creature comforts. Have you ever used one of those hilly knocks, uh, the ultralight cots? Yeah, I have the, uh, I have the Thermarest version. I don't have a, the Helinox, but I'm interested to see how you like it. I went to REI and spent 275 bucks on that. <laughs> the day, like Frank was on his way down here and I ran up to REI and bought that and holy cow, holy nice. cow, game changer. I don't know that I'll take it on every backpack hunt just because of the weight and the amount of room that it takes up. But uh, what I really liked about it is, especially for a floorless shelter, um, and the reason the, the reason I was motivated to buy it is I knew there was rain in the forecast, and I didn't want to be sleeping on Tyvek on the ground if, in case anything ran in because we were in a floorless shelter. And and everyone always talks about where to set a floorless shelter up, and then. Uh, I think when most of us get into the woods, we find that we don't have a great spot to uh, set up our floorless shelter. There's a, it's never, I can never find, no matter the size of the floorless, I can never find the perfect spot where yeah. it's just perfect. So, um, and what usually happens with me in a floorless shelter in Tyvek and a sleeping pad and a sleeping bag is I go to sleep in one location of the shelter and I always end up slid like my feet are hanging out the bottom of my sawtooth. Yeah, wake right? up like, somewhere else. Yeah, because it, everything's just so slippery. So I went and grabbed that cot, one, to keep me up off the ground in case water ran in, and two, just to try it out. And what I found with it was we weren't in the most level spot, but the way that cot is and how flexy it is, it kind of levels out when you lay down on it. So I didn't do a lot of moving, and I was super comfortable. So I used that cot. I used a X-Ped sleeping pad and then my i took a uh, i had a nemo down down sleeping bag the down the sonic 15 that i took in and it worked out good i was super happy with it because we had we did have to do some adjusting uh because frank hasn't seam sealed that tp in a while so uh there was definitely there was definitely a few spots where uh we could have used a little extra seam sealing but um uh, so we had to move. We we started out in very desirable semi-level spots, the three of us. And then as the rain picked up, we kind of had to adjust and we were all in weird locations. But it was, I was still able to get kind of a level sleeping surface, which you're not going to do with uh, Tyvek in a sleeping pad. Um. So on that teepee, you know, when people talk about like, instead of packing the pole, they're just going to go find a like stick and use it in there as yep. well. Is that something that you would recommend to people? No, absolutely yeah. not. I Me would, neither, man. Not, not, not for that teepee. I, I've done sticks and trekking. Like the one, like the smaller ones, like the super tarp where you can, you can use get, a trekking pole or a stick, yeah. you can get away with that. You can get away with that, but um, uh, not with the teepee. That thing's too big. Yeah, I know. Like I've heard people talk about that before. They're like, "Yeah, we're just gonna ditch the pole and freaking find something when we get back there." And I'm like, 
just what you want to do after you're freaking super tired after walking in is go try to find a half-assed straight pole to use to prop that thing up. Like, yeah. if you have a lot of time to do it, then, like, okay. But for the most part, if you're backpacking in, just freaking bring a pole. 100%. And you don't want to put yourself in any more of a survival situation than you're already <laughs> yeah. kind of in, right? Like, because yeah. that, that whole system only works with a pole. So, and I don't carry a saw back there, so I'm not going to be, I mean, I would be like trying to break it off just right where it's not too sharp and, and all that. It just, yeah, no way. And then the other thing with the poles too, um, with that, with that, uh, what is that stuff called? Sil nylon? It's not sil nylon. Uh, what are the teepees made out of, Jordan? It is. Yeah. It's a sil nylon. It's a sil nylon. Mm-hmm. So with that sil nylon, right? It, it's still like, if you're in the rain um that stuff it's it keeps the water out as long as you've seen the sealed properly uh properly unlike frank or seam sealed it recently unlike frank um <laughs> sorry frank uh, but it keeps the water out but it still it seems like it does hold water on top right and so with those yeah. poles that bottom pole has all the tiny little push button slots it's nice to have that pole too, because if you are in the rain and getting waterlogged, you can kind of like, as that teepee started to get wet, I was going over to that center pole and popping it up a little bit more because it was starting to get a little bit of sag. Mm-hmm. So I was popping it up, you know, a half inch or a quarter inch at a time to take that sag out in the rain, if that makes sense. Yeah. So yeah, you are doing did. that. You're, you're not doing that with a stick. Yeah, we did a podcast a while. Eh, it's not too long ago. It's a few back um, with the Argali guy, Brad. And he was talking about, he really geeked out. I loved it. Like talking about like treatments on tents and different um, materials you can use and things. And like the silicone treatment that's on those things, like it's the, it's a waterproofness, but nylon can still absorb the water vapor. And yep. like okay. that's where you so, get it from. Yeah. But it definitely that's exactly what I'm talking adds about. Some weight. Oh my gosh. It does. And when I packed that thing up, I took my rain gear pants and like tried to slide it into one of the legs and wrap it up to keep all my stuff dry. All my crap was soaked by the time I got out. <laughs> oh and that thing, that thing was heavy. I probably went from a uh, 40 pound pack to a 50 pound pack on the way out, if not more. Yeah. So that trip, it was just, it looked like it rained a ton. Um, and you guys used a liner in that. Can you give like a little description on like a liner and what it's for? And did it like really save your guys' ass on that trip? Cause it was so wet. Yeah. I would say big time liner. That's the first time I've used a floorless shelter. Uh, okay. Um, sorry, my phone said All something good. weird about the meeting. Um, so on the liner, that's the first time I've used the liner. Like I have a super tarp and I have the sawtooth and I know the sawtooth can, you can get a liner for it. And after this trip, I'm definitely going to get the liner for the sawtooth. Um, because it did, it did save our butts. So the liner is essentially this, it's the same material. It's just not treated. Um, and it just keeps it keeps the condensation on the inside wall 
kind of, it just basically keeps it off you because you're still getting condensation on that inside wall, mm -hmm. but that liner goes up to about your head level and goes all the way down to the floor. So it keeps that condensation off you. And then for us with a un, uh, with a teepee that was lacking some seam seal touch-ups, it, uh, the water, a lot of the water that was dripping in was landing on the liner and then dripping down to the very outside of the shelter instead of dripping straight in onto us. I think the, the leakiness that we experienced would have been way worse without that liner. Well, I know it would have been way worse without that liner. Mm -hmm. So that liner definitely kind of saved our butts in, in that aspect too. Yeah. Did you guys bring a stove? We did not bring a stove. Nope. No stove. Okay. Sweet. Well, I thought that, that was really good to talk about like three guys in gear in a eight man teepee is a good yeah, combo. And that is that's a super good combo. I don't know that I would want to I don't know if I would want to share a smaller shelter with three guys. I think that eight man teepee is about about as perfect as it gets. We had enough space for our gear, we had enough space for um sleeping and we weren't necessarily on top of each other you know what i mean we weren't oh, yeah. we weren't cuddling at night uh so i think that was a good for the weight especially if you've got three guys going into an area if you're backpacking in for the weight i think it's a it's a really good shelter for that sweet what uh what shelter are you going to use this year if it's just yourself going uh so i'll be torn i mean i always fluctuate it depends on what's going on I have been a really big fan of that Hilleberg Acto, mm -hmm. but I'm five foot five and 160 pounds, right? So, yeah, guys like guys like Aaron are like that thing's a coffin, and I'm like I like it's like a freaking studio apartment for me, right? I have tons of room for activities. Um, I've really I've really liked that <laughs> shelter, and it's it's bombproof. I mean, I was in it in the freezing rain and snow on that Huntwood South and Aaron last year and it kept me pretty dang warm and i was only, i only had a 15 degree bag and it got cold um so i like that so i i always always kind of fluctuate between that one um the super tarp and the uh the sawtooth depending on what i'm doing if i have another person going uh two people i don't think is bad in the sawtooth you got plenty of room for gear and so if i have another person going and they're not taking their own shelter we're gonna divvy up the weight i definitely take the sawtooth and then if i'm going solo uh it's the super tarper that hilleberg echo kick ass yeah i uh so i've had the neac for a long time dude i just uh -huh. sold it yesterday oh. and uh, i know it hurt a little bit i but bet but um last year because it was like leah and i going and then the dog like i wanted more room so i got an onion like the gt or the two with the gt vestibule which was good but you gotta crawl in and out of the front of it and it just drives me nuts if it's just one of me it's not that big of a deal but where there's two of us and we're like kind of tall like statured ladies like yeah um, you know we're not little bean poles. So uh like crawling over each other and stuff just kind of sucked. And then the NIAC only has one um vestibule. So sold both of them and I did get a Rogan. I found one um used on Rock Slide and snagged it up. And so we'll see how that goes. But I think that'll be a little bit better. Two vestibules, 
um still enough room for two people inside and yeah we'll see yeah yeah we'll see how it goes the onion the onion's that tubular one right kind of yeah it's like not yeah it's not freestanding you gotta you definitely that's the other thing about it too is like if you're in rocky terrain or whatever it could be a real pain in the ass to set up yeah i mean that's a cool tent it's got tons of room because of the design but i can definitely see where where getting out getting in and out of it's kind of like getting in and out of a i i always think about that guy from uh brad pitt in uh fight club when he's like question of etiquette as i pass do you want the ass or the crotch (laughs) yes Exactly. Like you're, get, you're getting one of the two in your face because I got to get out of here to go pee. Yeah. Oh man, good stuff. I love talking about like shelters and what people are running. I every year I swear I'm like, all right, this will be the final changes I'll ever make to the shelters. Like we're gonna be set from now on. And yeah, no. The, within yeah. like a couple of weeks, I'm always like, eh, we could like try to go this route instead. It's seriously a vicious cycle. Well, it's like, I always, I almost feel like I'm a little kid when I'm out there and like, you know how you used to build the forts in your living room and stuff. Yeah. Same thing. Right. Like I, I, I nerd out over it too. Um, like my, my gear, like the, the essential stuff in my pack doesn't really change many anymore, but, uh, the like shelters, sleeping bags, pads, I still like playing around with all that. Yeah. Yeah. Me too, man um all right what about clothing what'd you what'd you do for this last trip or what are you planning on and for this fall and what's new um so this last trip i got that uh, i got the sika ambient hoodie so i wanted to try that out right that's their it's a their kind of their new hotness if you will um yeah it's it's supposed to be a, a intermediate kind of intermediate uh insulating layer or a mid-layer insulation um and it's it's supposed to be an active insulation so uh for any of the listeners that have worn the kelvin active hoodie uh it has very similar properties to that that kelvin active hoodie i don't know if you have you seen that jordan i have yeah i've worn it actually so it's the one with the cutoff sleeves um, oh i haven't worn that one but i wore so, the og yeah so the kelvin active hoodie has cut off sleeves and it has that technical insulation on the inside it's almost it's like a fleece but it's further spaced apart and it's on a mesh uh they i think they call it the evolve active insulation is what actually calls it but the kelvin active hoodie has like that has moved up to the top of my list of favorite pieces of gear because a lot of times when i'm out elk hunting in september it's cold as heck in the morning and then it gets pretty toasty during the day and so used to be i would start out my morning hike with like uh with my base layer you know the shirt the long sleeve shirt i'm wearing for the day whether it's the core lightweight or or something like that and then uh, i would wear a, a thicker type material like a core heavyweight and then a puffy jacket when i start my hike in to get back into where the l car and then i it never fails i get 100 200 yards up the trail and i'm stopping i'm taking the layer off packing it in the jacket and then i'm i'm keeping on keeping on and then that core heavyweight gets to be a little too toasty because i don't want to get super sweaty and then get up there and 
and stop and be up there away from my truck or camp all day and be soaked. So I stop, core heavyweight comes off, goes in the, goes in the pack. Um, and what I found with that Kelvin active hoodie, and for those of you that don't know what it is, they make it, it's got the cut off sleeve. The sleeves are cut off like right at the elbow. Um, so I started wearing that and, and, and I don't, I don't think it gets a lot of love because it looks goofy, right? Like it's got sleeves cut off at the elbow. So people are like, what is this Capri, Capri shirt that I'm wearing? Um, but I started, <clears throat> I started wearing that for the hike in just over my like lightweight base layer top that I was going to wear all day. And what I found was I could, I was hiking I, and I really like the light bulb went off this year at a particular trailhead where I was sleeping at my truck because there's nowhere good to camp up there without blowing the elk out. So I was hiking two miles, basically straight up a mountain, like terrible. That's why the elk are up there. Cause other people aren't hiking two miles straight up to them. Um, hiking two miles straight up a mountain with my pack with all the stuff I needed for the day and doing it in the dark to get up there. So I could get on these over the counter bulls while they would still even consider talking. And I was, I put that on and I could wear that the entire way. I didn't have to take it off. Um, all I would do is unzip the, it was a quarter, it's a quarter zip style. So I would unzip the quarter zip, pull it outside of my bino harness to get some air in there. And I also found that when I got to the top, I really didn't have to take it off because it dried so well and it moved sweat away from my body so well. Um, so they came out with the ambient hoodie and ambient jacket. And so I got my hands on that and took that in for this fishing trip. and very much like the Kelvin active hoodie, like it very, very similar properties, except for the sleeves are full. And now it comes in, it came in a bunch of solid colors, which is nice. So I can wear it around and not look like I'm hunting up there. Right. I just look like people probably thought people that don't know anything about hunting probably thought I was wearing a Patagonia jacket if they would have seen me, <laughs> um, which is, which is nice. Right. So yeah, uh, I wore that up there and I basically wore that with like a, a standard Kafaru cotton poly blend t-shirt. Um, and the temperatures weren't great because of the rain. And we were up at, I think, 10, five or 11,000 feet. Temperatures weren't great. And I, I found that I was consistently the last one to put a puffy jacket on. Um, Frank was wearing kind of like a lightweight and Chama hoodie or Frank was wearing a t-shirt and then like a Chama style or, or heavyweight style hoodie. Mm -hmm. And Tomas was wearing some very similar stuff. And, and those guys were definitely, I mean, they were puffy jacking and up long before I was, I was really comfortable in that. And then on the hike out, that's when I was like, all right, we're hiking out. It's raining. It, it wasn't a, a hard rain. It was more like that misty kind of stuck in the clouds, mountain rain. Um, but it was, it was rain nonetheless. So I was like, you know, I'm going to wear this out because I heard Barklow talk about, uh, the fact that it kind of repels water a little bit. It's not, it's not waterproof, but it does have some, I think, I don't know if it's a DWR or what they put on it, but it's got some water resistance to it. I'm like, I'm going to wear this out and see how it does. And then I'm going to keep it on when I get to the truck. Cause my life's not in danger. I'm not going to get hypothermia. I can turn the heat on if it gets hot or if I get super cold. I'm going to keep it on when I get to the truck and see how long it takes me to dry out and see if I overheat in it while I'm hiking out with a 50 pound doggone completely soaked eight man teepee. So, um, I wore it out four mile hike out and 
I, I was super, there was a few spots where like, you know, you could feel your back to start to get hot. There mm-hmm. was a few points where my back got hot and that's probably like, that was probably the sweatiest part on me, but it, it definitely repelled the rain. And I mean, we were brushing up against trees, completely soaked trees, climbing under down pine trees on the trail. I mean, I pretty much every kind of thing you're going to experience in the back country, if it does rain, like my pants were, com- the front of my pants were completely soaked, right? Just from grass and trees and brushing against stuff. Mm-hmm. Um and jacket kind of the same, but it didn't get completely soaked. I was super impressed with how dry it was at the finish, both from sweat. So from a thermal regulation standpoint and regulating my body temperature and, and wicking sweat away from my body, I was impressed. And then I was also impressed with the fact that I was able to keep it on, right? Like, again, those guys started out with puffy jackets on and then were stopping to, to shed layers as they got warmed up. Mm-hmm. And I could keep that on. And I think when I talked to Barkwell about it, that's what he designed it for, right? You got that jacket on, um, or maybe you have a puffy jacket on and you're going on a stalk and you get on an animal and you stop and you take that puffy jacket off and it starts to rain a little bit and you're moving with a pack on and what have you, you don't have to stop and shed that layer. You can rock and roll with that layer on and, and know that you're going to be pretty well, uh, comfortable or more comfortable than you would be in like a, a lightweight hoodie or a heavyweight hoodie type deal, like the Chama hoodie or the, the core lightweight. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like a, a one, I would say it's like one step above like the Chama hoodie or the core heavyweight, but you have an added durability factor and that thing, I mean, I, I am super impressed with how it wicked moisture away from my body and how quickly it dried. Dude. Hell yeah. They have like a few pieces out that they're calling like in the ambient line now, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I was looking at it. Um, I do have one complaint about it and I took that complaint to Barklow and that was the fact that it doesn't have a hoodie pocket. Uh, so that the, the hoodie itself is a quarter zip. Um, it's a quarter zip. It comes in their standard uh, subalpine comes in open country I got the one that's pyrite, which is kind of like that off greenish brown color. Yep. And then they have a black one, right? So good on Sitka for coming out with some more solids for stuff. So poor people like me can get this piece of gear and have it and be able to wear it dual purpose out in public and not look like a weirdo wearing camel mm-hmm. or camo out to REI and stuff. Um, but so the the hoodie is a quarter zip. It only has, it's got a chest zipper on it, like a chest pocket on it, um, but it doesn't have a hoodie pocket on the front. And I called Barklow and told him I complained about it on Instagram because enough people would ask me about this this thing that I just did a quick story and threw it up there because it was getting to be too much to type or find messages and copy and paste them to people. Um, So I tried to cover kind of the general questions that I knew people were going to ask me about it before they bought it. but the quarter zip doesn't have a hoodie pocket. Barclay told me he decided to run it slick and it saved probably 20 bucks off the price of the, of the hoodie. So, mm-hmm. um, and then he did say there's, there's something similar in the works. It'll fit a different role or a similar role, but something similar in the works that does will have a hoodie pocket. It's probably not going to be for a while though. Um, and then if you looking at the whole, the whole system though for you guys, Jordan, the ladies, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. 
you guys got the you guys got it made um because i would say my other complaint about it would be that uh that so for us for the men in the men's line they have the ambient hoodie which is a quarter zip pullover style which i don't mind um but then they have the ambient jacket that doesn't come with a hood on it so the jacket doesn't have a hood mm -hmm. um and i i don't know if the jacket has pockets i can't tell i'm looking at it i should have asked john it looks like the jacket does have pockets though mm -hmm. um but it doesn't have a hood so for you for the ladies the ladies ambient um the ladies it. ambient jacket yeah because they only made a jacket for you guys um you guys get a hood a zipper and i think you get the pockets so that's pretty that's pretty dang cool i wish there was they would have put a i i'm weird i there's times when i hate having a hood and then there's times when i don't but 99.9 percent .9 of the time when i'm buying a, a jacket or something if it's not like for a formal occasion outside of the backcountry if i'm buying a jacket for hunting or fishing or backpacking i i kind of i want it to have a hood because i just like to be able to pull that hood up um me too i'm definitely a hood person there are some people i love them. Hate hoods yep so I'm sure I'm sure that's probably where they went with it, because um, there are people that hate hoods, but I love hoods. Hoods are the best. Yeah, dude, I think so too. Speaking of uh, Sitka gear, have you tried their that sleeping bag yet? The Aerolite. I have not. Have you? No, I haven't. I haven't. My buddy, my buddy had that sleeping bag. Um, my editor at Free Range American had it during elk season uh i don't know that he loved it but mm -hmm. i don't think he loved it he got he got a little cold at night but i don't yeah. know that i also i also don't know that his sleep system was valid i think it might have had a little bit to do with his with his pad mm -hmm. gotcha. I'm, I'm trying to i'm really i i've been a big down guy just because of what i do yeah uh, it's all usually in, it's usually around here I, I haven't been going to really wet locations where i know i would take a synthetic so i haven't ponied up the money to buy a synthetic but i'm i'm really looking hard at, at getting a synthetic and starting to get it out there and run that just so i can play with them because i've i've used down for just about everything i mean i've used down i scrapped my synthetic sleep system that the army issues way back in 2008 on my first deployment to afghanistan and ran it down and i've pretty much been running a down bag ever since but i i'm really wanting to start to play around with a synthetic synthetic bag like i'm kafar is shut down obviously right now as far as as uh shipping goes shipping, i'm really yeah. I'm, yeah i'm trying to get my hands on like the 20 degree regular slick bag just standard width standard length because i'm a little fella mm -hmm. uh and and uh uh i'm trying to get my hands on that to play with that and see how that does out there and see if there's a insulation difference between that and down because i know like i on cold nights with a down bag, even with a good sleeping pad, I still get cold because my body weight is compressing the loft on the mm -hmm. on the bottom portion of the bag. So I still I still get cold. Um, so I want to play with the synthetic and see how see how that treats me. Hell yeah. I really like that, like that 20 degree or even honestly the Kafaru quilt, like I don't mind it for the early season yeah. stuff. But then it's one of those things where it's like, eh, when you really want 
like when you're in the summertime, as I'm using the quilt that you want to go like really lightweight and packable, it's like you really don't need synthetic here in the summertime. Yeah. So it's like, exactly. eh, but I don't know. I don't, I don't mind it. And that, those slick bags are, I mean, if nothing else, they're really bomb proof and they seem to be pretty warm, but I kind of did the opposite a couple of years ago. I started using down and got a Western mountaineering bag. And as long as you just like, you know, keep in mind that you can't be a dummy and get it soaked. Like they're freaking so warm. Yeah, no, the yeah, and and that's the thing with down. You can still, I think, and that's where it comes down to skill level, right? Which I I've been running down for so long that I mm-hmm. haven't really changed because it's lightweight, it's packable, and I am comfortable enough with it that I know I can go into a pretty crappy situation and be okay, like mm-hmm. minus the shelter getting torn apart and me getting completely drenched, then I'm screwed. But um, like with my down bag, I always use the Sea to Summit event. Um, the Sea to Summit event compression sacks because they're waterproof yeah, or water resistant. So my down bag always goes in one of those. Like if I backpack in somewhere and I'm hunting and I think that there's a chance of rain that day when I get out of the shelter, especially if I'm in a floorless shelter, I pack it into that bag. I just don't compress it. I pack it in, I seal it off and I close it. So if something crazy does happen, I still have a dry sleeping bag when I get back. Um, so you just you just have to be a little bit more meticulous, I guess, and a little bit more careful with down, and that's about it. Yeah, yeah, I uh, yeah, just make sure you keep her in a in a dry bag, and just don't do anything too stupid. Exactly, you'll be fine. Um, man, well, gosh, was there anything else that was like noteworthy, new and noteworthy that was on that trip, or just anything else no i mean we use have you heard of those last light guys yeah i actually like i saw that you tagged him in it and i went and looked i hadn't heard from him about him before but i followed him on the instas so they make a battery pack slash solar charger it's like a solar chargeable battery pack and it also has a big led light on it it's super it's heavy and it doesn't charge as fast as your standard charger. So it feels kind mm-hmm. of like a more of a trickle charge. But um, it's all right. And I carry it for certain things. But because of the weight option, if I, if I don't plan on, I usually don't need this giant thing to be my light. You know what I mean? It's a little bit bigger than like your standard. It's a little bit bigger than your standard RAV power uh, battery pack, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but it has an LED panel on one side. So it's got LED lights and then it has a solar panel on the other side. I do, I do love this thing for photography. If I'm trying to kind of light something, like if I'm trying to shoot like a something that I just need a little extra light on, I'll hold this in one hand and then use the hold my camera in the other hand. Um, Mm -hmm. But, but they also make a, it's an LED rope that just plugs right into your USB. So that's what you saw in the TP photo going up the center pole and that thing was super awesome i i really like that thing i've used that thing i've used that thing for working on my truck and then obviously in the back country it's it's pretty lightweight and you can just kind of wrap it around your pole or it's got little tie downs that you can put around a little rubber kind of gear tie downs that you could kind of lash it to the top of a tent if you needed to um 
but that that was definitely more of a comfort item but i think it, that little led strip that plugs right it just plugs right in the usb of your battery charger um obviously if i was doing a, a backpack hunt and going to be out there for longer i would probably consider something else just because uh it is sucking out the battery power from your battery charger versus yeah. using it for your camera gear and your phone and all the stuff that you really really need um so but i i like it for i like it for at the truck at night kind of hanging it off the back of my topper to see stuff um lighting up photos it's really good for the photographers out there it worked really well for getting that night shot of the teepee that i took uh, the clouds sucked so it wasn't a very it wasn't a grandiose night shot like i wanted it to be but uh we didn't get any non-cloudy nights so i i did with what i could with what i had um and then the other thing have you seen the little mini goal zero lantern yeah it has like a little uh solar panel on top of it uh no. it collapses so th- oh no 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 so this is I don't know where the heck I put it. I've got gear all over my house. My house is <laughs> I like I need to stop playing in the forest and like do adult things around my house. But yeah. every time I, I get off of work and I like pack a bag and head to the back country or head somewhere to do something that is not at my house. Um God dang it, I can't find it. Well, Goal Zero makes a little, it's a little tiny lantern. It almost looks like a mini flashlight. And it yeah. has is it the lighthouse? Uh, I'm going to look it up right now, okay. uh, but so that's, uh, it's the lighthouse micro. Okay. I'm looking at it so right lighthouse here. micro. Yep. 30 bucks on goal zero. That little light is freaking awesome. I love that little guy. So that is generally that is what i use for my backcountry trips because it, it holds a pretty good charge you can get a pretty good amount of time out of it um so that's generally for like when i'm hunting that th- that thing there's no question i always put that thing in my pack just because it's nice to have a a light at camp and 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 um more light than like a, a headlamp um so that thing i love that thing so you press the button not there's a button on top of it I think you're looking at it. There's a button on top of that little green button. You yep. press it once, you're in flashlight mode. You press it a second time, it lights up that entire body and it's it works more like a lantern. And then you press it another time and it kills some of the LEDs for that in that body. So that I love that thing for I always take that when I'm backpack hunting just to I like it because it lights up shelters really well for night mm-hmm. photos. But um I also like it just I hang it on a tree limb and then we have light at camp aside from like headlamps and we're not blinding each other every time. Like, Hey Jordan, what's going on? I look at you and blind the crap out of you. So um, that's a really handy little dude. And then it just, it's USB chargeable. So you just plug it into a USB port to charge it and get her charged. It's I've never had it really die on me. I don't, I mean, obviously I'm not keeping it on for super long, but, um, super nice to hang off a tree limb if you got you know a couple of shelters out and you're in the middle of the shelters kind of making chow when you when you get back to camp from a hunt um, and it's small and compact and lightweight so yeah it says it's three like a tick over three ounces basically three ounces yep. 
And it says a runtime of seven to 170 hours, depending on the brightness setting. So, man, I think that like good light is like a sneaky, easy, like huge comfort thing back there. Because like if you can, it sucks. Like if you only have your headlamp and you're sitting in your tent and it's like, you know, it gets early or it's starting to get dark early, like later September and you're sitting in your tent with your freaking headlamp. It kind of sucks. But when you have some kind of a lantern to light it up, and then everything's lit lit up like normal. I don't know. It seems like a morale booster. Yeah, no, you're hundred percent right. Now that you're saying that, like that's that's probably the exact reason why I take it. I never thought about it like that, but yeah. And yeah, you can I just and it, see it's a little more normal. Yeah. And it goes in my pack for like I can't for the last two or three years, every time I put a backpack on to go into the wilderness, that thing's in there. I took it out. I took it out this time and I took that USB strip as well. So, um, yeah, I the really one like thing I will, strip too. the one thing I will say about this one is it's good to bring like a gear tie or like a bread loaf tie. I wish they would have made that. So it has like a little metal kind of loop on top of it. Yeah. Um, but if you don't have a tree limb that you can kind of pull that over, it's hard to hang because it doesn't have an open end on it. So that metal loop is, is continuous into the light. So, um, bring like a bread tie or a little rubber gear tie, and then you can thread that through that loop and thread it over a bigger limb and, or, or thread it through your tabs hanging from the top of your tent. Um, that makes life way easier to have that a little bread tie. Cause it's, I, I do the bread tie cause it's lightweight and it holds it up. Um, but you could, I mean, you could use a carabiner or anything like that too. So. Dude, that's that's freaking sweet. I've got the. I was just looking at it. I've got the Light of Life Mini, uh, the string lights from Goal Zero that you can. I think they come in a four pack, and then you can like take them apart. And if you don't only want to take like one for a backpack hunt or something, and then you're going and you have a TP with more people, you can bring all four of them and string them up. Those are nice too, but I they're kind of bulky for the most part. They're just bulky. As uh-huh. If you compare it to like the light rope, I mean that the last light light rope you're talking about is thirty four bucks. Yep. For twelve foot, like, and it weighs yeah. three and uh, it weighs five ounces. Yep. So it's pretty good. It's super, and again, uh, like I love that thing, but same token, um, same token, right? I might not, probably, I may or may not carry that into the wilderness with me because that little goal zero guy is kind of my go-to for the wilderness just because it's not using the same power source that i'm using to charge my phone and camera gear yeah that's the only that is the only reason why i'm taking it i don't want to carry something heavier to power that and i will i will say that i think uses that led light deal uses a little bit more power um than that goal zero does just because it's powering so many more lights uh but It'll still, I mean, if you're doing a fun trip like we were doing, it'll it'll last a few days. I mean, as long as you're not sleeping with the light on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm going to probably get one of those little guys ordered. Nice. Here soon. That's freaking sweet. Um, Dude, what else? I know you're talking about a bow site. We were yeah. talking about some archery stuff. Yeah, that HHA. I want to hear your thoughts. I'm super pumped about the site. So HHA, they sent it to me. 
in the spirit of full candor, they sent it to me. They said, hey, check this thing out, see what you think. Um, I started talking to those guys because the owner runs a nonprofit for for veterans, and obviously I'm still in the military. And it was kind of cool to see a company doing stuff to raise money for basically his nonprofit kind of raises money for other nonprofits. So his nonprofit is called HHA USA. And he got started with honor flight, which honor flight flies world war two and Vietnam veterans. They fly him out to DC so they can see all the monuments and stuff. Mm -hmm. So he, I talked to him, he told me how he got involved with honor flight and then he wanted to do more. So he started HHA USA which is obviously archery based. He does a bunch of archery shoots in Wisconsin. He would like to expand it, but obviously Wisconsin's where he's at. So it's easy to manage. Um, and he basically raises money through those archery shoots and then gives that money to organizations like honor flight and, and stuff like that. So they can continue to do the good work that they're doing for our veteran community. So I thought it was super cool. I reached out to him, told him I thought it was super cool. Cause it's not very often that you see these, like you see a veteran nonprofit just doing stuff for without like trying to market it or, or sell it or make a buck one way or another, right? There's everyone's always trying to kind of exploit the veteran community, even yeah. if their intentions are good, right? They're still, I mean, like the, the, a lot of the veteran hunting organizations, they want the most mangled dude they can get because then that, that gets them more donation money. And these guys just appear from the outside looking in to be doing it because they want it. They truly want to do it. They don't care what what kind of veteran you were. Like they're just trying to help out and give back to that community, which is cool. So I started talking to him about that. One thing led to another. He sent me the site. Um, he sent me the HHA Tetra Max, and he sent me. I got the tournament edition with the stubby dovetail because I don't need a super long dovetail because I can't shoot like Cam Haynes, right? So uh, I got the stubby dovetail, and then he sent me four pin housing and the single pin housing. And I was kind of, I'm, I, I'm completely honest. I was kind of hesitant, right? Um, HHA doesn't have a big name out West and I hadn't really looked at their stuff. And I think a lot of people overlook them, overlook their product for the same reason that I did, which was they just don't have a big Western hunting presence and, and, mm -hmm whatever i don't like i don't know why they overlook them i don't know if the name's not catchy uh but uh i got this site and pulled it out of the box and started playing with it and i'm like holy cow why why have <laughs> i overlooked this site like extremely 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 impressed with it overall um it's bomb proof i would say weight is probably weight is probably similar to like the spot hug fast Eddie. Uh -huh. uh, nice, thick, um, solid, kind of wide, wider than they are. Well, I guess with longer than they are wide pins, if that makes sense. So they kind of have that full, they don't have like a single pin that can kind of get bent. It's more of a flat, wider type pin, if that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. It makes sense. Am I, am I, am I saying that right? Kind of like, kind of like spot hog pins. Yeah. So they're, or, or the black gold pins they are wider, they're beefier. They're not just one little twig sticking out of the site housing. Yeah. That beefier. You, yeah. That if you get a stick in it, it's going to bend. So that was the first thing I was like, I ah, will see how this thing does when it gets out here. And that's really what I was concerned with was durability. And then I don't think durability is going to be an issue. And then after looking the rest of the site over, I haven't gotten too in depth with playing with it. I just got the bow set up uh, yesterday, but um 
just playing with it like it is freaking awesome so uh the sight wheel on it is removable so they they send you they send you it with a they send you it with two sight wheels on it or two sight wheels one mm-hmm. sight wheel has your setup tape um i'm looking for the setup tapes right now there we go so one sight wheel has your setup tape right and you're on your setup tape you basically got zero through 145. Okay. Um, so you you set up your sight, you shoot, you get sighted in at 20. After you're sighted in at 20, you go out to 60 and at you sight in at 60. Once you have it hitting at 60, and obviously you're making the adjustments with only the wheel at this point. Um, once you're in at 60, uh, you lock that sight wheel in place. You see what number your pin's pointing to. So say I sighted in at 60 and you obviously at 20, you want to be on the zero. And then say at 60 uh, on the setup tape, I sighted in, I was 90 is the number that my pin was on. Mm-hmm. Right. Then you go into their sight tape and you find sight tape number 90. That's your sight tape. So it's yeah. a super cool, kind of easy to use system but it gets better, Jordan. Um, uh, so then if you have the second sight tape wheel, you just wrap that sight tape. You just wrap that, put that tape on that wheel. That's completely off from the bow. And then you put the wheel back on, or you take the setup wheel off and you take that tape off because you've locked the wheel in and you put that wheel on. And basically it has a on the outer ring of the, the sight tape wheel, it has mm-hmm. a screw that locks it down. So you put that wheel on with that screw loose, you rotate it to 60 yards because you know that's where you sighted in at. You screw that screw down and you're locked in. Mm-hmm. So it's like, there's no, there's no, like I, I like my black gold sight a lot, but putting sight tapes on, it's my least favorite thing to do because I'm trying to get it underneath there and get it stuck on there. Yeah. Um, but with this, I pull the wheel completely off and I put the sight tape on and then I don't have to put the wheel back on in a particular, like it's not, it's as simple as putting the wheel on, leaving that screw loose and rotating that outer wheel to the yardage that you sighted in at like 60. And then you screw that, that top locking screw down and then it re-engages the actual the actual wheel that moves your site. And that's that's pretty cool. Um you did not disappoint with that. That is freaking kick ass. And I'm just I looking mean, that, on their yeah, I'm looking on their site and their dovetail is compatible with the new V3X from Matthews. Yep. Um then the other thing I'll talk about. So the site you can micro adjust your windage and you can really micro adjust it. So when you loosen that, that locking mechanism that goes over your windage bar for your site, for your left and right adjustments, mm-hmm. um, you have kind of mass adjustments or, or like large adjustments that it has little divots on it. And I think there's a ball detent in there and it basically clicks like you feel it click into place and you tighten it back down. So you can do large, large scale windage adjustments with that, but then you go to the outside of the windage bar 
and you can, it's got micro clicks. Basically the windage bar is hollowed out and there is a, there, the screw that's mounted to the site housing has another screw going in it and you can micro click your left and right from there and then lock it back down. So you can make large adjustments using that ball detent, which makes it super easy because it actually locks it into place. And then, and then once you got your large adjustments and you're pretty close on left and right, um, you have just the, the wheel at the end and you're just literally like clicking and it's pushing. I mean, if you're screwing, if you're screwing it counterclockwise, it's pushing that bar out like a millimeter at a time out of the actual windage bar. So there's a little bar inside that it's pushing out. Okay. Um, I don't know if that makes sense. Does that make sense? Am I explaining that well? Yeah, I'm looking at the picture so it I can follow a little bit better. For, yeah, for those well, for those of you guys that have been watching all the new hotness coming out, Dialed Archery did the exact same thing with theirs. So um, so it's very similar to Dialed Archery as well. I wouldn't say it's similar. I think if anything, those Dialed guys probably took that design from HHA, but um, they it's it's the same, it's very similar system. So you just, you got, you got a freaking big uh, round, I don't know what you would call it, but a big round screw thingy dingy. And uh-huh. you just, you can click it out and in. It's, uh, that's, that's freaking cool. I mean, that's pretty much the easiest left and right adjustment I've ever played with. Um, and then the up and down adjustment on it is, that's a little bit more kind of gang adjustment. You loosen up your bolt where it slides into your, where it slides mm-hmm. into your bar that slides up and down and you adjust that that way. Um, and then the other thing I, I'll say that I like about it, I've always, I've been pretty stubborn um, until recently, as far as archery goes, I haven't really taken, I go shoot like best of the best and I don't really take it seriously. I shoot for fun and I shoot for practice. And my goal is when I release an arrow at a 3d target, I want to just get a shot that kills the animal. Right. Yeah. Well, obviously hanging out with Aaron and Luke and making bets has made me be a little bit more competitive because now there's money on the line. So I, and so I want to try to beat these guys and do better as far as score goes. Um, so this is the first year I've shot like a, every year I've been shooting like these 3d tournaments. I've been pin gapping basically from if it's within 60 yards, cause I usually shoot a five pin. I've been pin gapping. Um, because that's how I hunt. I like I like to have a multiple pin site for hunting, period. Yeah. And I still I'm still like that because I'm just trying to poke some lungs and not trying to poke a freaking 10 or a 12 ring. Um, but with this site, you can easily, I don't have to take the site off the bow. All I have to do is throw on that that four pin that they sent me. I just slide, I pop that site out of the housing, slide the four pin in, and I'm rocking and rolling. And now I've got I don't have to make any movement if an animal's in front of me besides drawing the bow. I don't have to make any movement from 20, 30, 40, 50 yards. And then 50 and beyond, I feel like I can get away with movement for so I could I can adjust for anything beyond 50. Um, so that makes it really easy yeah. to go back and forth. It makes it really easy to go back and forth between uh freaking um uh what am I between hunting and, and shooting 3Ds for those of you that like to shoot a single pin for 3D? 
and a multi-pin site for hunting. So you don't have to do that extra movement when the animal's in close, like range it and draw your bow. And then the animal goes out a little further. Yeah. I've always been a, a big fan of that. Like use, I usually use the five, like a five pin, a spot hog I have for the last few years anyways. Um, and then use the bottom pin as like my slider. Yeah. Uh, and this, like, since I got the Matthews, I'm shooting that the V3X and they sent the site as well. And that's a fixed five pin. And it'll be interesting to, I just think I'm going to, I'm going to miss my slider. So I'm glad to know about this uh, Tetra because I might give her a shot, especially since it actually fits in that dovetail. Like there are some other sites that we're talking about fitting in the dovetail, but you you take features away because of how far right you have to move the whole uh, housing because you're moving it so far left with not bolting it to the outside of yeah. your riser. It's like the dovetail goes right through the middle of it. Yeah. I think, yeah. I think you'll be, I think you'll be pleasantly surprised with it. Um, like I said, and I feel like this, like HHA, um, I've got, they sent me another site just so they could give me both housings. I think. So they sent me the standard Tetra. Mm-hmm. Um, and that basically just has a standard kind of mount, no dovetail, so you can mount it to the outside of your bow. And it doesn't, it's not a bad looking site, but you can't remove the wheel to put the tape on. Um, it's just not quite as nice. That Tetra Max, so I mean, like, I, I, I was pretty blown away with it. And I, I was, I was blown away with it when I got it. And I was like, wow, why aren't more, one, why aren't more companies doing stuff like this? And two, why why is this why is this company not a name that comes up out west and they're not paying me any money either so they just sent me a site um so i mean I've, i'm super super impressed with it and i'm excited to get it sighted in i'm actually going to go sight it in today and actually get it out on the range so i'm going to try that sight tape system out um, and see how that actually works and see if it works well or not. Cause mm-hmm. sometimes it's different. And then I always have one of my buddies has a lab radar. So we always go attach the lab radar to the bow and nerd out and then use Archer as advantage to build tapes anyways. But I'm super excited to play with it. Hell yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm going to give her a shot. I might try to see if the local bow shop down here has one. Yeah. It's on it. Um, Frick, man. Is there anything else you wanted to chat on? No, I think we pretty much covered it all. Yeah, we did. We did good. I think I'm freaking, good. I'm freaking pumped for this year, man. I think that, um, I don't know. We've been getting a lot of rain around here, so I feel like horn growth is going to be good. I've seen a yeah. couple of bucks that are kind of laying out on their ears. Um, hopefully this weekend we'll be able to turn up some more deer look at some new country and hopefully find elk too. That would be beneficial to the freezer. Elk are always beneficial to the freezer. Um, so what do you, we talked about what I have going on, which is super uneventful and it's pretty uh, standard general, the general dude. Yeah. What do you have going on? So I've got, man, I kind of have a big trip coming up here and God, it's not too much longer. The uh, we leave August 8th. I'm going with um, Giannis from Meat Eater, and we're going to Alaska. Shoot caribou with our bows, hopefully. We'll see how that goes. 
but uh that's probably like that's the big one i got this year and then i'll have idaho generals um did draw montana for deer for later season it's going to be like a sig sour trip and then another personal trip i did draw um a deer tag in wyoming i was really tipping on the fence of whether to do it or not and i finally was like you know I kind of have the time. I mean, you never know like what next year is going to bring as far as just, I mean, you know, God forbid something happens in the ranch life or something. And all of a sudden you don't have time to go do some of this stuff or something happens with the draw system and you can't draw it anymore or whatever. So I was like, well, I've got my points. I don't want to sit on them. So I went ahead and drew Wyoming and then, uh, and then that's it for me. So it does actually, it has kind of added up here this this yeah. last draw that came out all of a sudden it's like oh we got some trips going yeah yeah like that you get those tingly that nervous feeling like all right i i got all this now how oh, am i gonna make it work yeah exactly the planning process has begun and um we're trying to leah's trying to take like three weeks off of work in october so we can do what we're gonna call a hunting moon and uh go hit some of these tags it'll be like three different states actually if not four because leah just drew a nebraska um non-resident landowner uh antelope tag so what a deal that's awesome do you guys have antelope running around uh running water up there yeah yeah, there's a few. There's a few out and about. Um, we used to have more, and I don't know what their deal is, but we just like haven't had. There'll be like a group of them around, and they'll kind of bounce between, you know, us and a couple of our neighbors and make the rounds. Um, yeah. But like, I just quit taking archery hunters for antelope because it is seriously such a pain in the ass, and nobody wants That's to sit lines. Yeah, and nobody wants to sit yeah. in lines and just wait for them, which is literally the best way to do it. 100%. Um, and everybody wants to go spot and stock, but a lot of times the people that we're getting to spot and stock like don't know how or can't anyways, and antelope are so wiry. It's just, yeah, there's just not a big enough population, and freaking August is the time to be scouting. So I was like, whatever. We're just not going to do it anymore. Completely understandable. So it's definitely we can find them. Do you guys will you be able to get on some of the landowners around you if you have to? So since it's a landowner tag, you have to just hunt on your own place. So ah. yeah. So we gotta stick within the uh we gotta stick within our own fences, which is fine. Like there's there's there'll be bucks that are gonna be passing through. And then um we get it's kind of a season choice, so it's literally all the seasons are open as long as it's a, like, as long as the season's in for a certain weapon, it's like a multi-weapon. Oh, um, nice. Tag. Yeah. So you, and, can, uh, you can go from archery to rifle to, or muzzleloader to muzzle rifle. Loader, and we just got a, uh, gosh, things that, I don't know. I'm super excited about it though. Um, I don't know if I should have bought it or not, but I did. I got a arrowhead muzzleloader, like a custom built muzzleloader from those guys. And I literally just went and picked it up a couple days ago. So um, we're gonna have some we're gonna have some muzzleloader power. That's yeah, you are. Those things are like freaking stuff. Those things are like sniper rifles. I know, basically. 
just got a load from the muzzle this is all nebraska yeah. says so yeah take yeah advantage of that that's awesome so that's well, what's cool. going on it's it's packed it's busy it's kind of crazy i still can't believe it's happening so just gonna roll with it mike yeah do it that's all you can do is just make it happen yeah <laughs>